as I uh, shared at the married couples retreat, I feel like I've been coming back every, every year to your church because I get to see Pastor Q every year. But at the retreat, I saw Abby, and I'm like, oh, I've been gone for way too long. <laughs> it was an unusually blessed time at the retreat, and one of the unusual signs from the Lord is that the worship leader, even in the introductory statement and the songs that the worship leaders would pick out was like, right down the road to where the message was going to go. They had no idea what sermon I was going to preach on. Same thing happened this morning. The first worship song, when he walks into the room, dot, 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 it's like, anyway. Turn with me to Matthew. God is working. God is moving. Matthew chapter 10. All right, Matthew chapter 10 from verses 7 and on. We're going to pray first and then look at two different passages from the New Testament. Matthew chapter 10 from verses 7 and on. Let's bow our heads, open up our hearts to the word of the Lord. I believe this is the word of the Lord for you as a body of Christ and for me and for our whole nation and to the ends of the earth. The sermon is entitled... Ridiculous command. Ridiculous command. Jesus, we will follow you all the way. So Holy Spirit, move powerfully in our midst that we would honor Jesus and Jesus alone and follow you all the way until we see you face to face. In his name we pray, amen. Ridiculous command. That's what I find here. Matthew chapter 10, from verse 7. As you go, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, that's not the ridiculous command. That's, that's beautiful, positive. I mean, yeah, we go preach the kingdom of heaven is near. Or some other translations, traditional translations would say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I like that translation because that means you could reach it. You could actually grab it because even though the kingdom of heaven is yet to come, Jesus taught even 2,000 years ago, if I drive out the demons by the finger of God, that means by the power of the Holy Spirit, then the kingdom of God has already come upon you. So the kingdom of heaven we are supposed to preach, we were supposed to have preached for 2,000 years, kingdom of God Kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means you could reach it. You could pull into the future and bring it into the present. Because that's what Jesus was doing 2,000 years ago. And he expects us to do the same. We could all say amen to this. This is not the ridiculous command. It's coming up later. All right. So as you go preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Then he goes, heal the sick. Amen. Right? Then he says, raise the dead. No man. Right? Cleanse those who have leprosy. Amen. Drive out the demons. Amen. You have freely received, freely give. What's amazing is that Jesus just throws that phrase right in there. And I'm not talking about people who've been influenced by Eurocentric theology who denies miracle signs and wonders exist today. I'm talking about those of us, most of us here, who are open to the miracle signs and wonders according to New Testament Christian model. Is really 
it's really amazing that Jesus throws that phrase, raise the dead, right, right in there. Heal the sick. Yeah, I mean, praise the Lord. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out the demons. Praise God. Heal all that are sick. Drive out the demons. Praise God. And right in the middle of these phrases, you find the phrase, raise the dead. It's really disturbing, even for someone who move in miracle signs and wonders, let alone others. But the good news is that we actually have heard of, even in United States of America in past 10 years, many raising of the dead. I'm talking of physically dead people being raised in United States of America all across our nation. I've heard more reports of resurrection of the dead in past 10 years in our nation than all my life put together in our nation. And of course, past 20 years, I've heard of raising of the dead all over the world more than I have here heard of resurrection of the dead in all of my life. So God is raising the dead. But it's just a ridiculous command that's thrown in there. If it was me, if I was Jesus, I don't want to sound like I'm a heretic, but if I was Jesus, I would say this, something like this, heal the sick, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out the demons, freely you have received, freely give. And then I would say, okay, listen now. You just come back from married couples retreat. You're falling asleep, but listen up right now. Listen to what I'm about to say. I'm going to tell you something really crazy, and, and you're not going to believe it. I would say this. Yeah, set it up really well. All right, save this phrase for the last and say, I want you to go resurrect the dead. But he just throws it in there with all the other common commands that would have been common to New Testament Christians. And, you know, when I was younger, I used to believe in the Bible and everything God taught, everything Jesus said, because God said it, because Jesus said it. Now I'm a little bit older, and I've experienced more of the good, bad, and ugly in life. And I realize Jesus is always right. <laughs> you know what? Through experience, not just because God said, I believe, just through personal experiences of good, bad, and ugly, I've come to conclusion, you know what? Jesus is always right. So even though this seems ridiculous, I mean, I would have saved that phrase for the last and preached two-hour sermon on it, get you all pumped up, and then go, resurrect the dead. How many, how many dead did Jesus raise? At least that is recorded. Not that many. How about apostles? Not that many. But along with healing all the sick, other versions say, heal all the sick, drive out all the demons, he goes, raise the dead. It's ridiculous. But you know what? Jesus is always right. He's always right. So there's a reason why he could throw this phrase right in there. He's always right. He's right in this context as well. And I want us to start believing in this ridiculous command. Start believing in it. Start living it out. I'll tell you a funny story. You know, I was, my family was at IHOP KC for a couple years. And a friend from Maryland, some of, you, some of you know him, he came, joined the IHOP KC a few years ago. I mean, this was many years ago. And he goes, hey, hey, Shin, I heard that, that this Korean deacon told me there's someone in our community who raised three people from the dead. I'm like freaking out. I'm like, there's someone in our midst who raised three people from the dead. And I'm like interested. And so I'm talking to him. And I find out I know this Korean deacon. And supposedly this guy lived with the Korean deacon. 
And I, I actually lived with them for two months when I first went to IFKC. So I'm chatting and I'm talking, figuring out how come this Korean deacon never told me about this guy who raised three people from, from the dead. And then more I talked with my friend from Maryland, I realized that he's talking about me. <laughs> well, which is a total exaggeration. When physical healing revival broke out in Seattle, Washington, we saw three people in coma come out of the comatose. They were almost dead, but they were not dead. But the Korean deacon took that a step further and said, there is a dude who lived with us who raised three people from the dead and spread the rumor so this friend who came from Maryland is talking to the guy. And I'm saying, no, it's me. And he was so disappointed. <laughs> Was it, oh, it's just you. <laughs> you know, it started with the Vietnamese boys who drowned for 30 minutes, and they were going to pull the plug on him at noon, and we laid hands on him. Immediately, he came out of, he came out of comatose. So doctors, Catholic priests, and the parents were going to decide at noon, and we went at 11 a.m. I had no faith, but John Woo had a single lonely guy because he was single and lonely, had lots of faith, and <laughs> we laid hands on him. The Vietnamese boy, and he came out, and then one person came out of coma in Indonesia when we laid hands on the granddaughter. He came out of coma at 89 years old or something, then got saved, and then Jesus took him home afterwards. And another grandmother came out of coma. But that's almost dead, <laughs> not totally dead. And I just want to be honest with you, even for someone who, and that happened within a year and a half, even for someone who's seen three almost dead people come alive, that command is just too much. Because I don't even see Jesus doing that that often in the Bible. At least it's not. I'm certain, I'm 100% certain, he raised more dead than was recorded. Same thing with apostles. But I just don't see that much examples like in healing and deliverance. So it's just a really challenging command that's thrown in there with healing the sick and driving out the demons. And I'll share one more uh, story. Uh, this is a man of God from this area. He ministered for many decades, a Presbyterian Korean minister who went to Korea as well. And uh, he was at IHOP Casey a few years ago. And my wife actually used to go to his church in this area. I'm not going to name the church because I'm going to say something negative about the church. But it was anti-charismatic church because this man of God, this Presbyterian minister, he, even though he was reverenced and revered by all of greater D.C. area, he learned this Eurocentric American theology that says all the gifts have ceased. So when I first met Kyung at Wheaton College, some of you are Wheaties here, she was so fearful of praying in tongues, even though she received tongues at the age seven. And at her church, her, uh, no, seventh grade, did I say seven years old? All right, so I'm a little bit tired. All right, seventh grade. So because of all your Bible teachers that was in Washington, D.C. area, and this theology that was so strong, and her EM pastor at the same church told them, you can't even raise hands. Oh, you can't clap during praise and worship. It's a very, very anti-charismatic church. Anyway, this same pastor came to I Have Casey a few years ago and confessed that actually when he was growing up, as a little boy, he raised the dead. His family member died. And God gave him that gift of faith, and he raised the dead as a little boy. And there were signs and wonders and weather pattern listening to his prayer. So he experienced raising of the dead even as a little boy 
but the Eurocentric theology that's influenced by Age of Enlightenment, that was influenced by Greek mindset, right, which is not a biblical mindset, caused him to sort of compromise, but he was coming back to biblical Christianity. Anyway, so we've even heard of raising of the dead, like in India, by CCC staff, and they used to deny tongues and miracles as well. So raising of the dead, physically the dead, is becoming more common, and I want you to be open to that. But there's a practical reason I want you to believe in this ridiculous command, that it's just as normal as healing the sick, driving out the demons, cleansing the lepers, raise the dead. We really need to believe in this command Jesus gave. There's a practical reason I want to uh, challenge you to believe in this command. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 13. I briefly share this last night at the married couples retreat, but in a different context. But Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Just verse 13 one more time. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Now, I'm sure you're all familiar with Jesus becoming sin for us, Jesus absorbing the sins of the whole world on the cross. But you might not be as familiar with this passage from Galatians that says actually Christ became curse for us. And we got to come back to one of the foundational basics of the power of the cross of Jesus, which is that inasmuch as Jesus absorbed the sins of the whole world. And when the Bible says sin, it's not just your personal sin. It includes your personal sin. It includes generational sins, original sin, corporate sin, national sin international sin. That's all of the above. But just as much Jesus absorbed the sins of the whole world, Jesus absorbed the curse of the law on the cross. And I'll just simply define the curse of the law for everyone here. The curse of the law can be simply defined as every effect of every sin. Every effect of every sin. Now that includes your personal sins, my personal sins, but that also includes generational sins, national sins, international sins, corporate sin, sins that others have committed against us and the original sin. That goes back to Adam and Eve. This is biblical definition of sin. It's all inclusive. The curse of the law is all inclusive. So Jesus, inasmuch as he took the sins of the world upon himself on the cross, Jesus took every curse of the law upon himself on the cross. That's why Jesus can so casually, so naturally say, heal the sick and raise the dead. Because what Jesus absorbed on the cross was death as well. Sickness, demons, physical death, spiritual death, including death itself, Jesus absorbed on the cross. 
And so to Jesus, this is just all in the same package, right? Heal the sick and raise the dead. Because just as Jesus solved the problem of sin, sickness, demons, hell, Jesus absorbed the problem. Jesus solved the problem of death on the cross, right? We just read Apostles' Creed, resurrection of the dead. And so it's a done deal. It's not some kind of extreme, radical command, not from Jesus' perspective. From our perspective, it is, but not from God's perspective. Because it's all the same. It is finished, including death. So you could say heal the sick, drive out demons. Yeah, raise the dead as well. And the reason I'm challenging you to believe this is if you could believe that God's commanded us to raise the dead, which means that through the anointing of Christ in our lives, through the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the cross of Jesus, by the power of the blood of Jesus, we have authority to raise the dead. You know what that means? If you and I can believe that we have authority to raise the dead, which is original curse that goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, that's at least thousands of years, according to some scholars, if not further back. If you and I can have faith to believe that we have been given the power through the anointing of Christ, through the power of the blood of Jesus, through the authority of the name of Jesus to even resurrect dead people, which is happening actually even in our nation. If we have been given such authority and power, we definitely have been given authority over generational curse. All right? That's the passion God has given me. It's time to kick the general, generational demons out of our lives. We don't have to tolerate general, generational, you could call it generational demons. You could call it generational curses. You could call it generational demonic stronghold. But I just want to call it generational demons because we need to be militant about this. We should not tolerate generational demons in our lives. If, if, we have been given the power and the authority over to raise the dead. If CCC people are doing that, we have been given the power and the authority to resurrect the dead. How much more generational curses that goes back three, four generations? I'm passionate about this because I believe this is a, one, of the, one of the main areas that God wants me to move in as a minister in this season of revival. All right, so... A couple years ago, my wife, my youngest, we homeschool all our kids so we could do crazy things. But my wife, my youngest, and I, we were just driving to maybe H Mart in Boston or something. And then literally, just last minute, we said, let's go to Maryland because our friend Kenneth Bay came out of prison. And it was first time that Kenneth Bay would be publicly ministering. So we just said, okay, let's go to Maryland because there'd be, you know, Kenneth Bay, dear friend of ours. First time publicly ministering. So three of us came to Maryland. And from there, we went all the way across USA, all the way back. And we've been doing that for past couple years. I put at least 150,000 miles just on my sister's car. I put so many mileage on my sister's brand new car she bought in 2014. It was a brand new Toyota Corolla that I have out there. I put, I made it. I put so many mileage on it, she just says, just take it, because it's just junk car. It has 150,000 miles on it. So in past three years, four years, we put more than 200,000 miles 
on cars. We covered lower, upper, I mean, I can't even because I got finished this message. But yeah, through a Texas area, through middle Colorado, IHOP area, through north, Montana, you name it. We covered it all. My youngest says the only states we have not gone to is Alaska, as obvious, and Maine. Now, Maine shows something because when we're in Boston, hey, let's go to Maine so we could say we covered all the state. No, it was, just, it was not intentional. Just, we just went where the Lord led us to go. And in those four years, the word of the Lord that was brewing in my heart, my wife's heart, and my daughter who's going to Wheaton now, is that revival's coming. And, you know, it's like Jesus' message, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven. At, and we just kept feeling from four years ago, beginning with Kenneth Bay ministering, the revival's coming. It was crazy. And God gave us crazy signs. Like we were gone for like two, three months driving all across, you know, USA, and all these snowstorms came to Boston. It was a historical winter, and I had to clean none of that because I was gone. <laughs> My brother-in-law had to do all of that, so now they live in North Carolina. They hate Boston now. When we came back, we are shocked because there's snow, so God even gave us powerful signs. Anyway, and, and the, what was brewing in our hearts as intercessors, we were the mobile hop. You know, the mobile house of prayer. We're just house of prayer. where we, and, and the word God gave us, the revival is at hand. And then Luango, we just started seeing major prophetic voices in USA declaring the revival is at hand. Another Jesus movement is coming. Right? And they started saying same things we were saying. We're a bunch of nobodies. But we were saying it as intercessors. And then we heard major leaders saying it. And to make long story short, March 3rd. I go to experience the water revival and the oil revival, and I begin experiencing the historical move of God. Right? It's not on the national map yet. But, you know, I took my son to the water revival, and, uh, <laughs> you know, we waited like three, four hours to get into church building. But because the oil people came to the water revival, it was holy chaos. Actually, not everything was holy. It was just chaos. <laughs> There's too many people showed up. Police had to kick a bunch of people out. Uh, it was really terrible. Anyway, so we waited many hours, and we were sitting in the very last row of extra chairs the church set up in Dotson, Georgia. Praise worship begins, and I knew right away, as soon as the praise worship started, I knew right away this is historical revival because I have not experienced such corporate presence, corporate glory of the Lord, presence of God, glory of God in a corporate setting since 25 years ago my son confirmed it because he just flat out said i have never experienced this level of glory now my son i've taken my son all over he's been hit by revivals all his life and yet because he's only 27 he concluded i have never experienced this realm of glory before so even before i saw jesus in the pool i saw jesus in the baptismal pool with fire in his eyes and I was baptized with shalom like I could have never imagined. Even before personal encounters like that, and I, I could share more, but I won't. I knew right away the glory, the presence. I've never experienced that since 25 years ago. Right. So now I'm in the midst of it. it I, I knew it was... Just like Jesus saying, kingdom of heaven is near, kingdom of heaven is at hand. A new great revival in our nation was at hand. Great revival in our nation is at hand. But 
I knew it was within reach. And some prophetic people would say, it's already here. And I'm like, okay, but where is it? I'm going to all these revival hotspots. Where is it? And then I finally caught it in Georgia. It's here. Historical great move of God is here. And I'm here to prophesy this morning, it's a new day for your church. It's a new day for your family. It's a new day for your marriage. Just as it's a new day for our nation, in the spiritual realm, it's a new day for your church. That's what Kyung and I we're interceding, and that's the word I got. Right? And the reason I'm sharing these two main things, ridiculous command, raising the dead, and the water revival is coming your way, is because for me, when I pray, so Lord, what is my part in this great revival that is upon us? The Lord made it very clear that he wants me to kick some butt, and it's generational demons. It's generational demons whether you call it generational curses, generational demonic strongholds, general, generational demons that goes back three, four generations. In your mother's side, in your father's side, it's got to go. It's got to go. If God has called us to raise the dead, how far does that generational curse go back? That generational curse go back to Adam and Eve. If God has given us power and authority over generational curse of physical death that goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, whether it's alcohol, drug, whatever, uh, uh, immorality, uh, anger, rage, jealousy, envy, doesn't matter what generational demon, demonic stronghold, depression, suicide, doesn't matter what generational demonic stronghold you're under, you have the power and the authority through the anointing of Christ to break every yoke in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to believe with me that we are called to raise the dead. We sang it, right? If he comes into the room, what happens? The dead are raised. The dead are raised. And of course, we spiritualize it. And we spiritually dead are raised. Yeah, that too. But actually, physically dead are coming alive all over the world and even in the United States. How much more? generational demonic strongholds in our lives. They're coming down. They're coming down. They're coming down. I'm not going to lay hands on people this morning because we have to go to my son's graduation in North Carolina. But I want you to come out to water revival because the Lord spoke to me weeks ago as we're planning for this water revival that my family will be missing Amy, but four of us, my family will be anointing people with Bible oil that I have and we're going to believe for generational demons in your lives to flee. Every generational demonic stronghold, every generational curses to be broken off of your lives as we anoint you with oil. So I want you to all come out Wednesday, Thursday, and before you get immersed, come to my family. Get anointed with oil. And this is specifically targeting generational demons, generational demonic strongholds, generational curses that you've been under torment with even as a committed christian even as a spirit-filled christian even though you're prophesying healing the sick if there's generational demons demonic strongholds generational curses in your life i want you to come believing that when jesus walks into the room even the physically dead come alive that's original curse is even defeated and if the original curse can be defeated that's piece of cake what you and i are dealing with it's a piece of cake. It's nothing. And uh, 
I'll just end with a testimony from the water revival. I actually saw this lady a few months ago because the pastor pointed her out. But this young lady came to the baptism revival desperate because uh, she was suicidal. Uh, And so she got immersed in the holy water, holy fire. Came out, she's still suicidal. So she didn't give up, though. For whatever reason, she decided to come back next Sunday, got immersed again, got dunked again, came out of the water. She was still suicidal. I don't know why she didn't give up. It must be the Holy Ghost. Third time she comes, next Sunday, and you got to beat all these crowds up to beat the line and stuff too. And she comes and gets dunked third time, gets out of the water, suicidal. Comes back next Sunday, fourth time. Fourth time, she gets dunks, she gets immersed under the water, she comes out of the water, ah, she screams. You know why? She came out of the water, she looked at both of her wrists, there were scars from cutting herself. All the scars were gone. All the scars were gone. And then she goes into the locker room, changing room, because she's got to change out of the wet clothes and the staff heard her screaming again. And they're, you know, because she has a suicidal background, they're freaking out a little bit. But she was screaming because all the scars that she, she cut her thigh as well, they were all gone. Scars in her arms, scars on her thighs were all gone. Suicidal thought was gone. It's a new day. Generational demon has to flee. During this great revival, every generational demon has to flee. Every generational curse is on the cross of Jesus. So it is finished. It's already a done deal. Jesus could casually, naturally say, I want you to go out and raise the dead. Because it's already a done deal. Jesus took death on the cross. And so we have authority and power through the anointing of Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus, through the power, the blood of Jesus, to raise the dead. How much more suicide, depression, substance abuse, other types of abuse, uh, anger, uh, problem all these generation demons has to go during this great revival during this great revival one practical reason i'm sharing this story is that this baptism revival is not just about water baptism theology 101 where you get baptized when you're born again all right it's 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 about getting immersed in the holy fire and the holy water of god Because holy fire came upon the baptismal pool, the water is holy. And that's what they're bringing here. And the water is holy because of the holy fire. So I half-jokingly told people, after getting baptized, because I sort of became the tour guide. I didn't volunteer of the Georgia Revival. I hate it. (laughs) Anyway, I told them, after you get baptized, don't wash your clothes. Just take your wet clothes home. Lay your outer garments on your loved ones and watch God do miracles. And, and this sister took a step further. She thought, ah, oh, that's a little bit gross. So what she did was after she got baptized, she squeezed the water into, into a jar. And then she went to her mom who was sick and she sprinkled her mom with the water. And mom got healed, instant healing of at least two sickness and got renewed in her faith and walked with God. Her dad watched this who's totally, totally non-spiritual man. And he watched this, and he was crying, and he says, I think I want to go to the baptism revival. I'm sharing this to say it's not about baptism theology 101. 
where you get baptized because you're born again, you're going into the holy fire on this Wednesday and on this Thursday. Holy fire came upon the baptismal pool. And it is transferable because they took a little bit, like, I don't know, a cup or whatever, uh, to Alabama somewhere, and they pour that holy fire, holy water into their baptismal pool. And this mainline denominational pastor was going blind. He went into that water. He came out screaming because he could see. The blind sees, right? So it is transferable. What is going on in Georgia is hitting this place. I tell you, I'm a full-time intercessor. Others would call me revivalist. People would say I'm crazy. I've been around. I've seen things, but I have not seen the realm of glory and the presence at this level in 25 years. Great revival. The kingdom of God is at hand once again. I don't want you guys to miss out. So I want to ask the worship team to come up. Yeah, I, I rarely do this, but I request Daniel to lead us. We're going to end with a song. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Because the conclusion, I'm so pumped up. Have you ever seen me preach like this? I haven't preached like this since my youthful days. But I'm so pumped up because we see prophetically, prophetically what we were sensing in our spirit. Prophetically, water symbolizes what? It's a new day for you guys. It's a new beginning, new day, right? Whether you walk through the sea, whether you walk through the Jordan, you walk through the sea, you walk through the Jordan River, because it's a new day. It's a new day for you individually. It's a new day for you regionally. It's a new day for you as a body of Christ because you're going to walk through the water. God will split that sea open as the song says. He will split the sea open and you will walk through from here and you're not going to take generational curses with you to the other side of the water. You are going to allow your generational curses, your generational demons, your generational demonic stronghold. You could even just call it his genetics. I don't care what you call it. That generational demon, you're going to leave it at the other side of the river, at the other side of the sea. You're going to walk through the water and it's going to be a new day. I prophesy in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, which is a Hebrew version and I'm, you know, this is Jewish people worship here Jesus as well but I prophesy in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach that it's a new day for you as a church as a family as an individual and no matter how long you've been tormented with that generational demon it's not going to come with you for I have been crucified we have been crucified with Christ that generational curse generational demon no longer lives it's Christ living in me now think about that suicidal girl just press in a little further press in a little more fourth time she went she got immersed she came out scars are all gone suicide depression gone and she got dunked four more times I found out <laughs> let's sing this song together also that phrase everyone stand and I'm gonna end with corporate prayer you come if you want to be uh, if you want my family to lay hands on you specifically to deal with generate yes this is advertisement if you want my family to lay hands on you specifically to drive out the generational demon in your life come Wednesday or Thursday but even in the song and I and I didn't catch this the reason I wanted him to sing this it's a powerful song about he's gonna split the sea that's what he's gonna do even if you don't come out Wednesday Thursday I believe prophetically 
prophetic, it's a prophetic symbol. He's going to split that sea. It's a new day for you. It's a new day for your family. It's a new beginning for all of us, regionally, even nationally, people. The kingdom of heaven is once again within reach. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. I remember revival did break out at Wheaton College seven years after we left. When it broke out, some people missed out. Don't miss out. Great revival is at hand. Don't miss out. It's a new day, new beginning. But I realize as we're worshiping this, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Fear is original curse. Now some of you have extra amount of fear because of generational curses that go back three, four. So you, you have double negative, sorry. But fear goes back to original curse. So once again, if I could sing and declare, I'm no longer slave to fear. Fear goes back to original curse because I'm a child of God. How much more generational demons in your lives that only goes back three, four, seven, eight generations. Amen. 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 It's a new day. Let's sing this song.